if anyone's listening who has a background in substance use or still does, at least for me, you know, for 10 of the last 12 years, I went to bed every night saying, I'm going to wake up and tomorrow's going to be different. And you get to a point psychologically where you're, you, there's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of self-deprecation um, and it can be challenging to overcome, right? Because in order to overcome it, in order to kind of rebuild that neural circuitry has to result in some sort of behavior modification. Those two things go hand in hand. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory MD. See you there. There. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Tribe. This is Dr. G, and we're back for another exciting episode of the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. Today, today, my friends, we have Ian Williams. So, Ian, you know, on this show, you got to tell us like who you are, all what's going on with you, all the amazing things that you're up to. So take it away. Appreciate it. Um, Ian Williams, thanks for the opportunity to be here. Uh, as in terms of professional, again, excuse me, as I'm just kind of gaining traction here, audio is in and out. Professionally speaking, uh, author, speaker, business advisor. Um, so I just released my first book in February of this year, 2023. Um, I also do as many speaking engagements as possible. And then as an organizational consultant, I work to help mission-driven organizations build culture and capacity. So that's really uh, what I do during the day, right? My day job, so to speak. Uh, but then outside of that, you know, personally speaking, environmentalist, love to spend time outside, uh, love my dear wife, love to spend time with her, um, health, well-being, those are certainly things that I dive into as well. So I try and keep a, a holistic uh, approach and perspective on life, but um, that's kind of it in a nutshell right there. Awesome. So now there's a lot of things that we can dig into. So you got to tell us, how did you get into this space? Because there's always this backstory. Everybody has a backstory. We just want to hear your backstory. Well, I, I mean, it really, it does come from my own personal experiences, right? Um, for a little bit of context and context and to rewind the clock, 12 years of substance use and abuse. Um, so addiction is a part of my personal narrative. Um, I'm seven and a half years sober now, Congratulations. but that substance use really came out of, you know, it was, it was really self-medicating for an underlying depression and anxiety. Okay. Um, and as I started to get serious about my substance use and my sobriety, naturally that kind of went hand in hand with my own personal well-being, Right. And so, um, as that chapter, that chapter of transition, I should say, uh, started to take shape, it really resulted in a lot of personal discovery for who I am now and what I do now professionally. 
So the book is largely experienced by those personal experiences. Uh, my work as a consultant is largely informed by those experiences, um, of course, as well as my you know experiences in the professional setting as well. But that's really, in terms of where I come from, that's hugely defining for me. Um, and that well-being process and, and continued practice along the way is something that continues to serve as an anchor uh, is a better word for it, right? It keeps me connected to the health and well-being because I know what it's like to be a uh, pretty far gone, um, for lack of a better term, right? And to say it, say it kindly. So as I started to take my health and well-being seriously, um, I, I started to really make a lot of shifts and transitions in my life personally. And those naturally led to develop that neural network that's going to serve them for the rest of their life. Uh, but as I started to wake up environmentally and I started to go through my own personal changes, I realized I just needed to get outside the, the walls of the cinder block classroom um, and realized that I wanted to have more of an impact environmentally, right, direct with the climate uh, that I just really wasn't able to access in that classroom, right? When you're, a, when you're an educator, um, things often look the same day to day to day. So that led to a lot of changes. Went back to graduate school, uh, built a business, and you know we're we're happily up and running for the last three years, um, working with mission-driven organizations to try and, like I said earlier, increase their culture and capacity. That was awesome. So you know, you said quite a few things there. Um, first of all, congratulations on your sobriety. That is not an easy thing to get, maintain, right? And so it, that's huge. And then also, you know, it sounds like there was some underlying, you mentioned that it was, uh, it was like a offshoot or a side effect or a consequence of where you were with your mental health that led you to even go down that path where you, you know, were in the situation. So, you know, that is, is a whole other story because, you know, that's something that, Unfortunately, a lot of people aren't getting the help that they need, and then they end up in that situation, as you as you mentioned. So, you know, kudos for for overcoming and you know thriving through both of the scenarios: first, the depression, and then second, you know, overcoming the substance abuse. Um, and then, you know, it's 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 interesting that um, that I, I'm always curious, actually, how is it that you you did you just wake up one day and you just said, you know what, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. Or I want to, did you see something? Did you hear something? Was there something that helped you? Because it takes a lot to go from, you know, being dependent on something that's not the greatest for your body or your mind to getting away from that when your body and your mind are literally craving that thing. So you know, it, it, I'm always curious as to what it is that was a trigger that got you out of that, that place and into a better scenario. Do you mind sharing that? Not at all. Um, you know, I think the, the foundational component, which underpins this story is emotional vulnerability, right? At some point along the way, I had to come to terms with the fact that if I was really going to dive deep and quote unquote, figure this stuff out or address it uh, sustainably. And she was beautiful for about six years. Uh, and we let her go a little bit too soon, a little 
experience where she came back to visit me after we let her go for the final time. Um, that really changed my perspective on life and reality. And as that lens or perception of reality shattered and broke, it provided an opportunity to, you know, spread new seeds and, and let some new things take root. And I knew conceptually that when we were preparing to let her go, you know, I knew she occupied such a space in my life. She took a lot of time, energy, attention. I knew if I didn't fill that space, that void with healthy things, I knew exactly what I was going to fill it with, right? Because I was still using at this point. And so, you know, the journal, well-being more seriously, starting to pay attention, more attention to my nutrition. Those things were all things I was planning on doing intellectually it was something that was very experiential and from that moment forward at that time in my life it became more of a devotional process and I felt like I owed it to her there was a sense of responsibility like I need to devote my health and well-being practices in this journey to her because now that she's no longer here she's given me this opportunity of space and more time and attention to focus on myself. So that was really a foundational or transformational experience that was a big pivot. Um, you know, because if anyone's listening who has a background in substance use or still does, at least for me, you know, for 10 of the last 12 years, I went to bed every night saying, I'm going to wake up and tomorrow's going to be different. And you get to a point psychologically where you're, you, there's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of self-deprecation. Um, and it can be challenging to overcome, right? Because in order to overcome it, in order to kind of rebuild that neural circuitry, it has to result in some sort of behavior modification. Those two things go hand in hand. So having that opportunity to, you know, again, have this kind of profound mystical experience in my life, change tracks. Right? I mean, I often think about it like a, a train conductor in the station just kind of pulling the lever. And then boom, the tracks shift. And over the course of a couple thousand miles or a couple of years, you end up in a very different place. And so that devotional process in the beginning was something that was instrumental to, because I just needed something to hold on to in order to stay sticky to that well-being journey. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I do believe that that is something that people who are listening will definitely take to heart and it will likely impact particularly they're in a situation where they are having a similar experience with dependence on something. So thank you for sharing that. I know that's not an easy thing to, to speak about in public. So appreciate it. And so you have to tell us now. Um, so you had that shift. You were, sounds like you were on um, a trajectory where you were going to be focusing on yourself and being better, right? From the nutritional standpoint, you mentioned, um, was there any fear involved in this transition? Was there fear that you had to, you had to deal with, or you had to figure a way around during this time? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think, and I would go back to that, that foundational kind of building block of emotional vulnerability right? There, there was this, um, 
not just an urge. It was like a, it was more than that. It was this calling. It was this almost like a requirement in my life to dive deep and to start to grapple with some of those questions about like, why do I struggle with depression? Where does this anxiety come from? Where did these things take root in my life? When did they begin, right? Looking back at childhood, upbringing, et cetera. And that inward journey is something that I became comfortable with over time, but it was terrifying in the moment, right? Because um, when I started to do that process, as I was really getting serious and devoting to my sobriety, because it started patch, right? I mean, that's what I used for a long time to... I would go into the emotional vulnerability, but then I could release the pressure, right? And okay. go and use. Oh, okay. And so when you're focusing on sobriety, probably 10 years later, again, I mentioned I'm seven and a half years sober. Right. Um, now, after this book, putting it out in the world professionally, working professionally. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to change locations. I don't think it's this end, but it keeps going in and out. Let me see. And I mean, I don't want to miss any because you're, um, I mean, the, the content is so good. All right. Okay. So you changed locations as well. <laughs> so hopefully, if both people change locations, we'll have success. <laughs> because... So sorry. No, no, it's all, it's all good. Sometimes this happens. Um, yeah. Like I was saying, I think it's just like one of those, one of those things. It's all good. So it's yeah. daytime for you well, too, huh? What's that? It's daytime for you as well. Yeah, I'm on the West Coast right now. Um, okay, that's why. So I should have, I should have plenty of light. Let's hope the internet connection holds out. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I tried to even no, log no, no. in with my phone, and like even mobile network wasn't working. Okay, fair. So where would you like? Do you want to start over? Where would you like to pick up? Um, um, what are your thoughts? You know, I we missed parts of the story. So I think that maybe um, let's just go back to uh, where you were talking about, you know, how you went from um, like when you're talking about, you know, the experience that you had where you had to let her go for six years and, and everything. So if you could go back to that, I think that'd be helpful because we missed part of that part of the story. Okay. 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 I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. It's uh technology doesn't always work our way. Exactly. Uh, um, I'm just trying to recall. So the question yeah, yeah, no you worries, asked me no at that time was, it was about fear yes. and yeah, like transition moment. Okay. Yes. Yeah. How's audio? Is audio okay? Audio is perfect now. All right. Well, let's roll. Let's see what yeah, we yeah. get. Um. Yeah, absolutely. There was a transition moment. So um, I inherited a dog. She was in my life for about six years. Uh, she was a beautiful pity. And we had to let her go a little too soon. She was probably only about six years old at the time. And that was a really challenging decision to make. 
but it was also a pivotal moment or time in my life. Um, as a family, we tried everything we knew how, um, and we consider ourselves dog people. Uh, but we ended up letting her go a little early. And a couple days after we took her to the vet for the final time, she came back to visit. And it was this kind of, not kind of, it was this profound mystical experience that I had no way of wrapping my head around. I had no way of articulating what happened, of understanding what happened. It was just kind of earth shattering. And it really changed my perception of what reality is and was. And so at this time in my life, I was really starting to dive deep into emotional vulnerability because I knew that I really needed to get serious about my substance use and my sobriety. And in order to do that, and in order to be successful in that long term, I was going to have to address some of those underlying emotions. So as I did that, as I started to really dive deep and do a lot of that processing Emotional vulnerability was something that I just couldn't help but embrace. I had to embrace it in order to make my way through that chapter of life. Um, and so, you know, that was certainly very fearful um, at the time. Of course, I, you know, I, with practice, got more comfortable with it. But that experience was undoubtedly, you know, the biggest turning point in my life. Um, it really put me on the path to not just taking my well-being seriously, but almost more importantly, giving me reason to care about it at a deeper level, right? To be in relationship with the process more than just um, kind of checking the box of things that, you know, are quote unquote healthy or good for us. So that was definitely a turning point in my life. Wow. Yeah. No, I am. Uh, so just full disclosure to those who are listening, we've had quite a very interesting uh, uh, situation as we've been recording the podcast today. And, you know, technology was trying to thwart our efforts in getting you Ian's story. So we over overcome the obstacle. And I am so glad that we we're able to hear the full story because it is definitely worth hearing. And so thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, it's 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 a it's such a um an interesting thing, you know, like how we how we deal with tragedy in our life. And how we deal with our own like tragedies, right? Because yes, there is there was there was a tragedy, and there was a um, there was a uh, you know there, there was a loss that occurred with your with your with your doggy. But at the same time, you were also having a little bit of a loss even before that that you're grappling with, which is why you started like realizing that you needed to change some things. Even though you didn't have all the tools, you still realize you need to change some things. And, you know, the dog's situation where it came in your life and then then was out of your life and then came back to visit you. That is incredible. And that's like that speaks to like a higher space. Right. Because we don't believe in ghosts. We don't believe in apparitions typically. Right. But we do believe in like forces that speak to us on a deep level. So that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And, um, and it's amazing that that was the moment that allowed for you to basically break the chains, right? Because you, it is not easy to overcome depression. It is not easy to overcome dependence on substances. And then it is also not easy to change. So, you know, if 
you have nothing else going on and you have to make a change, that is very hard. So if you have two things going on and you have to make a change, it is amazing that the universe allowed for you to have something like that happen to propel you to the change. So I, I don't know. That is an incredible story. It's really, really incredible. Hey, it's Dr. G. And I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. I appreciate um, I appreciate the listening. Glad it came through in full this time. But I also appreciate the acknowledgement of um, the purpose, right? That was a part of my life at that period of time. I mean, for anybody listening, you know, anybody with with real experience understands that behavior modification is challenging point blank. It's just challenging. And, you know, in some ways at that time in my life, it was kind of like my back's up against the wall, right? Like it's, it's put up or shut up. You know, it's not that I was, um, you know, on the brink of overdosing or death with my substance use. But it was so emotionally painful to know that I didn't want to be continuing this pattern and simply not be able to stop. And that experience really gave me something to hold on to, right? And I, I, I think many people with that kind of addiction and recovery story, they'll often talk about the rock bottom moment. I don't really feel like I had a rock bottom moment, you know? Um, and I actually heard the phrase the other day, a rock top moment. Like that experience was something that it helped lift me out of um, a space that was just filled with the same narrative, right? The same kind of energetic pattern. It was such a jolt to my life and my system and my perspective and my beliefs, um, the way that I thought about the world, that it couldn't help but be life altering, right? And one of the ways that I responded to it was diving really deep in Eastern spiritual philosophy and energy arts, right? So yoga, Qigong, Tai Chi, meditation, martial arts, because at the time I thought I need to figure this out, right? Which is a little bit naive in retrospect, but um, what those practices gave me in the end were the tools that I needed to be with myself, right? To be in my body, to experience the emotions as they were happening and not try and avoid or escape them. And so, right, there was deep purpose in that experience, obviously, and I and I don't claim to know all of it, but I do know the process that it sparked in my life. And that was something that was crucial, you know, to my own healing. Wow. No, that's, that's great. That is really great. 
And I mean, and we are fully aware that, you know, it's ongoing, right? It never really stops. Um, but it's just really inspirational to hear this because, you know, it is. And I love that you mentioned, you know, the whole thing where you, you, you actually were not at rock bottom because that is, that is what most people think that in order for you to have a radical change like that from being where you were to where you are now, that you have to really get to the point where, you know, you've lost all, you know, all your, your living situations and your resources and, you know, you're like in the streets, whatever, you know, like people envision that as the only turning point. So thank you for sharing that you don't have to be at that point in order to get out of the situation. So that's very helpful as well. And so now, now that you've been on this journey and that you have, um, you know, been able to impact other people, how are you, like, are there new fears that you're now facing and how are you dealing with those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, one of the valuable lessons that I took from that time in my life is that leaning into that, that fear, right? Often for me, it's synonymous with emotional vulnerability is actually where there's a lot of rich growth, right? And so it took a while to integrate that lesson, but to understand it conceptually was important at that time. And so the way, and this is really, I'm still very much in the midst of this transition in my own life, but that turning point and that chapter of life was roughly a decade of deep inward um, reflection, contemplation, and introspection. Okay. Really diving deep in terms of, again, where did this depression and anxiety come from? Where did it start? How can I effectively process through it, et cetera? That's a lot of self-learning and discovery in order to answer some of those questions. Of course, there's plenty of support along the way. Um, but the emotional vulnerability that came with that process was something that I became comfortable with over time, right? Mm -hmm. Because I could do it on my own terms. I could choose when I wanted to dive deep and when not. I could choose who I shared it with, right? The process in and of itself. And it was usually people I, I felt safe to share it with. And now what I'm recognizing about a decade later is that we're, you know, we're turning a new page and I'm enter entering a new chapter of life, which is to take these lessons that I've learned internally and to share them outwardly with others. And that comes with a new set of rules, right? It's a different playing field. Uh, like for example, listeners to a podcast like this, I don't know who they are. I don't know what their beliefs are. I don't know what preconceived notions they're coming into this listening experience with. And I'm opening myself up, right? For again, emotional vulnerability. Um, and that is something that taking all of that inward journeying and now turning it outward, right? To, to face the rest of the world, to share with the rest of the world and try to do it at scale, right? With as many people as possible is something that's, a new chapter of fear for me, right? Because it's not only on my terms. Um, and it's probably taken me, you know, now it really, this, this concept is just conceptualized in the last roughly month or two for okay. me, but I think I've been ready to be moving into this space for probably the last year or two, just really wasn't aware with like, what does it look like? What's the next step of emotional vulnerability? One question that I try and ask myself on a regular basis is, what's the biggest risk that I could take right now? Because often that big risk 
is synonymous with fear, is synonymous mm-hmm. with emotional vulnerability, is synonymous with learning. And by and large, I actually like being in that space because I feel really close to the life process. Okay. Yeah. But it's yeah. also, it's like continuously overcoming the way that we're hardwired, right? I mean, evolutionarily mm-hmm. speaking, psychologically and physiologically, we're not hardwired to pursue fear or we're not hardwired to pursue risk. Right. Right. <laughs> we're hardwired for self-preservation. Yeah. And so you're constantly, you know, bumping up against that edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so definitely, I mean, that, that fear is, it had its own kind of form in that chapter in life. And now it's changing forms, changing shapes in this chapter in life. But it's something that I constantly try and practice an awareness of, because it's kind of like, I don't know, I picture kind of like in the sidecar, you know, and if I can stay connected to that sidecar mm-hmm. and recognize what it has to teach me and bring it along, you know, with me and often like be along for the ride with it. Um, I feel like there's just a lot of richness in that space. Oh, no, that's good. That is fantastic. And so, you know, um, you have got to tell people how, because I'm sure that you've touched some hearts here in our conversation. So you have to tell people how they can reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, If they're interested in contacting me directly, just go straight to the website, www.reviveyouandi.com. It's the word revive, the letter U-A-N-D-I.com, reviveyouandi.com. You can find me on social media channels with that same handle at Revive You and I. Uh, please reach out. I love having personal interactions. I love hearing about other people's stories. I love hearing people's takeaways from interviews like this. Um, if you want a, a free sample, digital sample of the book, you can go to that same website, subscribe to the newsletter. That'll kind of get you into the ecosystem. Um, if you want to purchase the book outright, that'll be a deep dive and a crash course into um, all the things that I've learned over the last 10 years. Um, nice. I'm not a central character in the book, but it's it's kind of a, a deep dive into my personal why. Okay. Um, and then if anyone out there is listening and they're, you know, a small to medium-sized business owner and struggling with wanting to just make more meaning and increase employee well-being and engagement in the workplace, uh, you can either reach out to me through that same website or you can go to stillpointinsight.com. Um, either one works. You'll be able to track me down. Please reach out. Let me know what's up. I'd love to, I'd love to connect. Awesome. 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 And then, you know, we do have a tradition on the show, Ian, you ready? Ready for the tradition? Okay, great. I am ready. So the tradition is fill in the blanks. All right. So the first one is if I am fearless, I will. If I am fearless, I will be able to live a fully fledged life. All right. Love it. The next one is to me, fearless freedom means. I would say abandoning the conscious or unconscious need for self-preservation. Fearless freedom means abandoning self-preservation. Going against that, uh, that uh, little big voice inside of us that says, don't do that because it's not in the comfort zone. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and then last yeah. but not least, my battle cry is. You know, I thought a lot about this one. Yeah. Because I don't, 
I don't identify with having a battle cry. Um, so if this answer doesn't appease you, that's fine. Let me know. And I'll, I'll, I'll make up another one. There's no wrong answer. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> For me, it's, uh, it's the breath, right? It's maybe, maybe it's a silent battle cry. Um, using the breath to move in and move through that space, right? Because the only way out is in and through. And in those moments where we're facing fear um, and it's staring us in the face and it's asking us to turn around and walk away from it. One of the few things that I feel like I can quote unquote control is my breath, right? And regulate how I move into that space. So if I had a battle cry, it's probably my breath. All right. I love it. I have to tell you that that is the first time we've had that. So kudos to you for making history on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's probably but it's good. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. Cause I'm like, as you're speaking, I'm literally visualizing the breath. Like I'm visualizing like, coming up to a challenge and like, you know, really focus on the inhale, focusing on the exhale, you know, re-centering re the mind to be able to face that challenge. So I, I think that's, that's a fantastic battle cry. But I, I also love the fact that it's actually a silent one, which is great. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I appreciate it. It's always glad to make history, hopefully for the right reasons. Yes, for uh, the right reasons. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, again, right. And you know much more about this than I do. Uh, it's, it's physiological. Right. I mean, it's it's getting in touch with the nervous system and learning how to regulate the nervous system. And I think for for me, that's been a huge part of my well-being journey. Right. In general. Right. Is. Recognizing how my nervous system just runs amok. Right. And how I'm triggering it and sending it into uh, overdrive. And, you know, even just the concept of like, what is the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and. Yeah. Oh, I can actually cultivate the parasympathetic nervous system with practices. Um, you know, it's for me, I try and make as much of this process experiential as possible. And that means being in the body, right? Mm -hmm. Being connected to the processes of the body. Uh, and so the breath, the physiology, the nervous system, these are things that we're always in touch with. It's just a matter of how aware of them are we or not. So, you know, maybe not the most motivating if we're actually on a battlefield, right? But uh, if you well, sit down, I, well, well, now if we're on a battlefield and we're able to focus, like have laser focus because we've now like centered ourselves, it might be advantageous. We might be more efficient on the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's all good. It is all good. So just tell us again um, the website that they can reach you. Yeah. Yeah. Reviveyouandi.com. Perfect. 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 Thank you so much. And for all the things, you know, like having to change locations physically and all the technical things that we had to overcome to get your story out there. And we appreciate your time. We appreciate your effort. We appreciate your emotional vulnerability. And because it, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, we, we cherish and we honor everyone that comes on the show because we know that talking about fear, how you deal with fear is not an easy thing. And sharing a story is not an easy thing. So we definitely appreciate you doing all of those things above. Well, I appreciate uh, you holding the space and I appreciate the message of your show in general. Uh, I think it's a really critical aspect of well-being, at least it has been for me. So it's a wonderful opportunity to be here 
thank you for your patience and all the technological difficulties. And if, if the listeners are still sticking around here at the end, you know, apologies for um, any audio issues or snippets or anything like that. Appreciate your time and your energy and your attention as well. No problem. No problem. It was fantastic talking with you. And I hope that you have an incredible rest of the afternoon. You as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Take care.